you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What's up, fam? Welcome to episode 25 of I Cry in Corners. We are trucking along in this season three, and we're going through the top 10 things that are not a thing. So if uh, this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is not your first time listening, welcome back. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm excited about the season, and I'm excited about this episode. Quick recap, because I think context is important. The first thing we talked about this season were kingdom issues. Kingdom issues versus you issues. See, uh, I, I personally define kingdom issues as something that moves God forward and pushes the kingdom forward. It moves God uh, to want to do something awesome, and uh, you issues actually move your emotions, and they usually stall what God is doing, not only in the kingdom, but within ourselves, because most of the time, our you issues, the things that we've maybe uh, stepped into ourselves, we don't really know how to navigate. So I talk a lot about this in the very first episode of season uh, three, because I think if you want to become a kingdom person, you need to be able to navigate and be able to say, what is a kingdom issue and what really is a you issue? And then you can figure out how to fix it. So if you'd like more on this topic, please listen to episode 21. Um, It's a big one. So uh, make sure you like write stuff down. Okay. Second thing is we've been going down a list of things that I perceive to be not a thing. Uh, When I say not a thing, I mean, ah. I feel like society makes them a thing or culture makes them a thing or our emotions make them a thing, but they really aren't a thing. Uh, Quitting, busyness, fast tracks, not a thing. And uh, since we're kingdom people focused on pushing forward love's agenda, and by love I mean Jesus, we don't have time to quit because things are uncomfortable. Uh, Jesus didn't quit when things got uncomfortable, and he is the greatest um, example of pushing the kingdom forward. Uh, let's see, uh, another thing, uh, we don't get so busy. Kingdom people don't get so busy, we forget to actually love people. And Jesus, finally, uh, we understand that we can't be people chasing position instead of his presence. Jesus was the greatest example of loving people and never being too busy for people. He was also the greatest example of not chasing position, but instead listening to the presence, uh, going to seek his father, going to seek his father's voice, going to... Uh, he was just a person of his, of, of the presence. And that's what kingdom people are. They're people that when you encounter them, you're like, dude, these people are different. They seem to love everyone. They seem to be kind and compassionate and good in a different type of good. And, uh, we aren't people in search of fast tracks. We're people in search of his will and his plan for our lives. And that's where we find, uh, us today in season three. So if you're one, you don't have to go back and listen to them, but I would, because I think they're important. Uh, but today's topic is, um, entitlement. Yep. Uh, in the kingdom, entitlement is not a thing. So just like quitting busyness in the fast track and you issues, entitlement is definitely not a thing. See people that are living with a kingdom mindset, uh, they aren't really focused on deserving position or things because they know that uh, the only thing they deserve is the opposite of the things that they're getting. Um, Let me see, how can I explain this? Hmm. You know that verse in the Bible that says we've all fallen short? Well, kingdom people know this. And as a result, we don't Black Friday each other. 
Chatty, what are you talking about? You know, you've, have you ever watched the memes and the things that people do to themselves and other people on black Fridays? Um, you know, they'll fight you, punch you in the face for a TV. That's not even that good or a nonsensical sale that, you know, you really wouldn't want that in real life anyway. But black Friday is, is at least in Florida, it's madness. And when I process entitlement, I think of black Friday. I think of people not considering each other. I think of people trying to gain things that really aren't that important. And that things that you really don't need you might want it but you don't need it and i think that if you understand the difference between want and need you won't become a black friday person you won't be a person that thinks that you're entitled to something that really you're not and when we think we deserve it whatever it is so for you it might be a job it might be a relationship it might be a position when you think When we as people get so bogged down with whatever it is and become Black Friday people and start focusing on things that we believe we're entitled for, we get bitter. Uh, We play the comparison game. That sucks. Uh, We dishonor our leadership. Uh, We mistreat people we love. Um, We make um, judgment calls for the sake of what we deserve that might not be morally correct. So let me just make a blanket statement. None of us, not you, not me, not people that we believe are the best of the best or the worst of the worst, deserve any any awesomeness thanks to Eve. Just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Um, everything good in God that we have is because our incredible saviors, the ap- in his absolute kindness, saw fit, uh, fit to position us under his grace and his goodness and bless us with his love and his opportunities, um, and not because we deserve it, but because... He is awesome. And that's my take and my bent on all this entitlement stuff today. I'm going to I'm gonna definitely need to do some Bible reading um, today. So um, if you haven't gotten your Bible reading in, you're about to. Uh, if you want to follow along, I'm going to be in Luke 8 and 9 because I desperately need the wisdom of the Bible to teach this today. So I'm going to jump into the Bible and I'm going to just give it to you the way God gave it to me. Um, Again, I say this almost every episode, read it for yourself, get a revelation of this for yourself. I believe that God wants to impart something in you specifically for the place you are in life and the place you are navigating in the journey that you are on. I believe God has a plan and a, uh, a, for your life that is very specific to you. And um, my prayer is that as we go through these things that um, instead of being entitled, we I'm going to encourage you to be something else, and I'm going to give you context for it, but my prayer and my hope is that as you're listening, whether you're in your car, whether you're at work, or wherever you are today, that you leave inspired and empowered and ready to make Jesus famous, because that, at the end of the day, is my goal of my life, is that I won't make things a thing. The only thing I'll make a thing is Jesus, because he's the only thing that matters, so context. So far in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus has built a team of young misfits. He's explained the importance of being a kingdom person. Uh, He's preached uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's healed multiple people. He's calmed a massive storm. Uh, He's brought some massive wisdom within parables and object lessons. And now in chapters eight and nine, we find Jesus on a shore. He's returning from healing the demoniac and he is welcomed by a massive crowd that has been waiting for his return to the area. Uh, a huge crowd, gigantic, massive. Uh, people are waiting to be healed, and the disciples are watching as they've been uh, watching for a while now. 
and some will get super close. Some are some during this story are going to get a super close view of what is going down, and others will actually have to watch from a different point of view. But as a result, everything that God gives to them will be the same. Okay, so know that before I start reading. At the end of the story, every person close to Jesus gets the same thing. Um, I know that a lot of times uh, we finally we. Mm, we come into moments of entitlement or moments of thinking we deserve something because our point of view is different. But I'm going to challenge you today that your point of view is not different. Your point of view is unique. And God has positioned you in a specific place in time, a specific place in your job, in your life, in your family to gain a certain perspective because that perspective matters in your life and you need that perspective. So I need, I'm going to challenge you today to see things through that filter. Okay, um, so if there are some of you out there watching your friends, colleagues, family members, people in your demographic seemingly farther along on the road, know that your journey is not the same. So don't sit there and just listen and think that maybe you got the shaft somewhere. God is not moved by your timelines. He is moved by his. So take a deep breath. Just follow along. I promise this is all going to make sense. Entitlement is not a thing. And I'm starting in Luke 840 and then I'm going to read to 96. It's important. I need to read all of it. So I'll stop periodically to chat through the stuff that I want you to remember and the things I want you to take away. But, um, yeah. Okay. Let's dive in. Uh, chapter eight, verse 40, 56. Uh, just listen. I'll read it because I like to read and reading is fun. Anyone else just, um, never mind. I'm not going to go into that story. It's not worth it. I'm just going right into the Bible. I almost, I almost lost myself there. Okay. Chapter eight. Here we go. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were expecting him. And a man named Jairus, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, a synagogue leader, uh, came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl who was about 12 was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been a subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal, heal her. She came up behind him and she touched him on the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And when they all denied it, Peter said, master, uh, I can just hear Peter saying this master. Uh, there's people crowning and pressing against you. Uh, and Jesus said, no, 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 someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman seeing that she could uh, not go unnoticed came trembling and fell to his feet. And in the presence of all people, she told him why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said, daughter, your faith has healed you go in peace. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And you're like, Chadi, what the heck does that have to do with entitlement? No, no, calm down. I'm get there. Hold on, let me take a sip of my coffee because it's really early and I can't believe I'm up this early. By the way, I love Pike's Place. Can I just say that? Is that how you pronounce that? It's amazing. Of Lord. Anyways, moving forward, all you coffee people were just like, oh my God, you're drinking Starbucks. That's like super ridiculous. Anyways, let's talk about Jesus. Okay. I love the story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love it for a number of reasons. One, like how gangster are you that your faith moves God, like moves God in such a way that he's like, nah, somebody legit touched me. Even though I'm pressed up from every side, that one person touched me and I felt things move like actual power move out of me. That's the type of faith I want to have. That's the type of person I want to be. I want to be a person that moves God. That is so kingdom that when I move and when I ask and when I seek him that he goes, Oh, Oh, oh man, something touched me. And what? Well, if I think of entitlement and I think of this story, I would say you don't need to be the main character in the story to get your healing. You don't need to be the main character in the story of your life for God to push you forward. You just need to be persistent and be a person full of faith and a person that's following. 
See, the world we live in says you have to be first to matter. But in this story, we find that you don't mean you need to be the first or the most important or the, or the favorite. You just need to be faithful. So our very first big takeaway is if you don't want to be one of those people that always thinks they're entitled, just remain faithful. Be faithful. That's what I want you to be today. Be a person that is faithful. People that think they deserve the proverbial it is because they forget that they aren't the star of the story. Jesus is. And if you're sitting there thinking you are the star it's of your story and you're just out here trying to write out your legacy, know this. God is the author of all of it. And the quicker you realize you are merely the ink on the pencil that gets to be a part of what God is doing, the more you'll experience with peace and joy. So don't feel entitled. Be faithful. See how I said feel entitled because it's a feeling and some you know feelings are good, but they're not God. Be faithful. Your faithfulness moves God. Your faith moves God. Your faith moves things forward. It's not going to be your position. It's not going to be how great you are. It's not going to be how awesome your work is. In in the world, people will look at your work and go, oh yeah, let's, let's promote them because of their work. But in the kingdom, if you want to be a kingdom person, oh my gosh, you let God move you forward. There's so many things in the Bible, so many opportunities, so many examples I can give you of people in the Bible that were like, I'm not even going to do this unless God does it. You know what? You can have it because God's the one that brought me here. Like you either got to choose the type of person you want to be. You want to be a person that pushes yourself forward, that you have to sustain it, or you got to let God push you forward and he sustains it. Be faithful. That's the first, that's the first takeaway from this story is that this lady was, it was her faith that healed her. It was her persistence that healed her. It was, if you want to move forward in your life, if you want to healing, if you want something miraculous to happen, if you want something supernatural to happen in your life, don't think you deserve it. Although you might have valid reasons of why you think you deserve it. Just have faith. The only thing we deserve, guys, is hell. But Jesus in his awesomeness and his love got on a cross, was beaten beyond all recognizable anything so that we could, gosh, so that we could be close to him, so that he could restore the things that had been broken. Don't feel entitled. Be faithful. All right, I'm going to continue in verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jerusalem, uh, the synagogue leader. <clears throat> They've mentioned this twice now. Your daughter is dead. He said, uh, they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe <clears throat> and she will be healed. I wonder, big takeaway number two, I wonder if Jairus thought maybe that that random undignified dirty lady that just got her healing, that maybe his daughter missed out on hers because that lady he thought didn't deserve it actually got her, got her healing first. I'm just giving you context because... Because of that lady's um, sickness, uh, she was looked at as kind of like really gross and dirty. And like, um, here's this guy, he's a synagogue leader. He's kind of a big deal. I wonder if he was like, well, now you just screwed me because you got yours. That doesn't mean I get mine. Like how many times in life do you see somebody get something awesome and you immediately think the worst and your speculation is negative and you think that that God's missed out on you or something like that? See, he was a, a leader. He was uh, well-to-do. I would, it would legit seem to think that uh, his ask and his desires had dibs on Jesus as he had position. Some of you are looking at your life and you're saying, I should have dibs at this because of my position. But isn't it like Jesus to show everyone, everyone from Jars to the crowd to his homies that were there, that all we need to gain something from him is faith in him and not faith in ourselves. See, the world will tell you, you just need to have faith in yourself. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to say that, say, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. 
And I love this because it's Jesus showing us that even though we live in a world that is screaming for us to focus on our humanity, that his kingdom in response is calling to the deepest part of us, that he is who he says he is, and we need to focus on him and have faith in him. And that's where real fearlessness is rooted in. So the first takeaway is is, is be faithful. And the second thing is to be fearless. Don't be afraid. Don't just believe. Believe that God is moving on your behalf. What would that look like if you had this fearless faith that moved things forward, that was rooted in surrender and knowing that at the end of the day, you just have to be faithful. And it's the faithfulness in God, faithfulness in his awesomeness that keeps you from feeling entitled and instead causes you to live fearlessly. So the first thing I want you to do is be faithful. The second thing I want you to do is live fearlessly because don't look and don't look at what other people are doing. Ah, don't play the comparison game. Your road is not their road. You keep your eyes on your road. You keep your eyes on your, on everything that God has you doing. Love people, push people forward, be encouraged, but your road is not their road. I have friends of mine that we all kind of started in the same way. And when you look at our lives, we're all kind of ended up 10 years later doing the same thing. But my road to get to where I'm at today and their road to get where they're at today is completely completely different, but we all ended up in the same place because the end game is the same. The send off is always the same. I'm jumping back into the Bible here in verse 51 when it says, we've arrived at the house of Jairus. He did not let anyone, Jesus didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning uh, for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. You notice how he only took three of the disciples in there? Just throwing that out there. Uh, and everyone that was outside, they just laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, child, wake up. And her spirit returned. And once she stood up, Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were astonished. And he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Guys, the crowd watched from outside. Nine of the disciples were given a bird's eye view to people and how they would respond and what they would say. And then three disciples saw the miracle and the response from the perspective of the parents. I think a lot of times we get entitled because we're pissed off about our point of view. But God knows which perspective you actually need because he's the one that knows where he's sending you. And some of you are mad because you aren't in the house with the parents, but the journey God has you on will be with people. So you need to be around people and you need to see their response and you need to see how to teach them how to navigate crowds and how to navigate nonsense. But you're so focused on being inside a house that you're not even supposed to be in and vice versa. Some of you are in the house going, man, I really wish I was with the people. No, man, you're in the house. Be in the house. Others will have a life and ministry that will be smaller and maybe met with solitude where there's a lot of one-on-one counseling. Be okay with being in the house. Don't covet other people's perspective. Be aware of where you got to be and be okay with it. First thing is you got to be faithful. If you don't want to be entitled, focus on being faithful. If you don't want to be entitled, focus on being fearless. Be fearless in everything that you do. Be focused on what you're doing and not what other people are doing. And thirdly, you need to be aware. Be aware of where you're at, where God has positioned you because where he's positioned you is very specific to what he's going to do with you. Don't covet other people's perspective. Be aware of where you are. Be okay with it. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again because God knows exactly where you're headed and he knows how to equip you. You don't have time to be upset or feel like there is a mountaintop perspective meant for you when you're really called to a valley. Take your eyes off other people's locations and be aware of yours. And if you do this, you won't feel entitled. Instead, you'll feel maturely aware of where you are and where God is 
is taking you. Oh, this one frustrates me to no end. Like, I wonder how many times the disciples, those three went with Jesus and the rest of them were like, well, there they go again, the favorites. No, man, they just had a different call. Every single one of them. If there's a book called, uh, it's super old. It's from the nineties. It was written by a DC talk during my, yep. I said that anyways, you should read it. It has all like how all the disciples, I might actually put this on a blog. Um, of like how the disciples died, where they went, what they did, how they ended up. Like they all died pretty bad, like except for a couple of them. Like it was, yeah, it was bad. Like the stuff that they did and the places that they went, it was really hard. And like the ones that were close up, like it it didn't change the outcome. Like all of them had the same similar outcome. Like you're looking at your life like God's not going to use you or that you're not going to gain whatever it is that you think you need to gain. Like at the end of the day, God knows you better than you. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. He knows what you deserve. And at the end of the day, like just be aware of where you're at and be faithful there. Be fearless there. Don't focus on where other people are at. Oh, this makes me like super intense. Anyways, let me finish the story. Jesus then, after he's done all this, he's healed the lady with the issue of blood. He's handled Jairus and all the crazy people outside. The little girl, she's alive. And Jesus calls the 12 together. This is my favorite part. I'm not going to cry. I'm already crying. Jesus said, he gave them, he says he pulls them together and he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. He then sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And then he tells them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, whatever house you enter. Stay there until, oh man, you felt the, t- uh, what is it? Stay, what is it? If what, I just lost myself. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. And if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went for the village. From They all went out. They were sent out from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people. You realize that after it was all done, he pulled the 12 together and he gave them, he sent them, and he told them. He pulled the 12 together. He didn't go, hey, three guys right here, these guys, the ones that were in the house. No, no, the nine guys that were out. No, no, all 12 of them. He gave them, he sent them, and he told them. All 12 of them. Guys, when God finally sends you off to do what he's created you to do, you will be fully equipped. Stop focusing on what you don't have or what position has eluded you and focus on Jesus. He sent them out with all of the same stuff. With all of the same stuff. He equipped them with all of the same stuff because he knew it was important. And he, I think, and this is my own perspective, but like he did it all together because he knew the importance of them being together. Together is important. Together is how he sends us. So if the enemy can keep you um, focused and frustrated with people where there's disunity, he knows that being you can't you can't send fractured off together you have to send wholeness so focus on being whole be aware be aware be fearless be faithful cuz that's how god will send you off he's going to give you he's going to send you and he's going to tell you exactly what you need for exactly what he has for you so stop focusing on what you don't have or what position has eluded you focus on jesus He will give you all the authority and all the power to fulfill the call to love him and help and love people. And look, you might be on a different road, but if you're faithful, oh man, and you're fearless and you're aware, we can all be successful in the kingdom and end up in the same destination and pushing forward the kingdom and all God wants us to do and all he wants to do in us, through us, 
and for us. Oh, there's so much more to this. There's so much more for you to do. It's not just going to be here. It's going to be later on in life. And God, there's so much more. This life is just a vapor. Don't focus on the nonsense. Focus on Jesus. There's so much more to this. There's so much more to this. what God wants to do through you. Don't get focused on the culture. Get focused on God. He's bigger than all of it. Love you, weirdos.